Worm is a web serial by J.C. McRae, also known as Wildbow. You can read Worm in its original format by visiting parahumans.wordpress.com or donate to Wildbow's Patreon at patreon.com wildbow. This story isn't intended for young or sensitive readers. Readers who are on the lookout for trigger warnings are advised to give Worm a pass. For a complete list, check the description for all of Worm's trigger warnings. Brockton Bay coming at you like a punch to the face. The crew. <laughs> Hello. Sadly, only part of the crew. We are down one today, uh, but we are still strong here. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Brockton Bay Book Club. And tonight we are reviewing just the first four chapters of Arc 5 of Worm. Uh, break from our normal Arc and episode format, but... There is just so much in this arc. Uh, we no way we're containing this to uh, <laughs> to one episode. So uh, let's get into it. We are looking at um, yeah those first four chapters again. And yeah, if you want me to go over the summary? I was going to say, uh, Alan, if you got the summaries for us, okay. let's go. So we open up with the uh, villains coming together for their meeting at a restaurant, and then uh, of course after the meeting. Uh, Danny and Taylor go shopping in which an incident occurs, uh, which sees them and all the bullies in the principal's office. Excellent. All right. Uh, I think we'll just, it's its not a lot chapter-wise, but we'll still kind of go chronologically here. So let's sort of start uh, with that with that first with that first chapter. And as always, let's get our initial reactions from our two first-time readers, Kat and Taylor. Cat. Uh, what well, what do you think? Whether it's the um, concussion or she's just finally getting fed up, thank God she finally punched this bitch in the face. And I'm not talking about bitch, talking about Emma. <laughs> Such a satisfying moment. Oh, yeah. Mm. I mean, just every every emotion finally welling up to that. It's so good. Uh, Taylor, initial reactions? Um, I have always been under the impression that, because I'm sure that we've all wondered, if I get sent into a fantasy realm, would I be a bard? Would I be a cleric? Um, I've always thought I'd be a blacksmith. I would definitely have my own shop. I want I wanted to do something. And for this universe, uh, having a supervillain speakeasy is definitely on the top of my list right now. I We immediately <laughs> jump into politics, and as a nerd that has read most of Tom Clancy's actual novels, oh boy, did I love this part of it. Um, also, women hitting other women in the face, good, good on you, but I this first couple chapters is where I had the most fun. 
Yeah, I really, I really love the way this this arc starts with a sort of ominous meeting uh, between all of these all of these villains. Some we've some we've met, some we haven't met. Uh, got some new faces, got some new looks, some new colors. Uh, that was kind of a fun scene, and for me, it reminded me so much of like the uh, the great scene from The Dark Knight, where all the uh, all the gangs are getting together trying to talk about Batman, and Joker makes his entrance. Um, very reminiscent of that scene. But also very different because we had we had quite a few different characters here. Did any any of them stand out to you? That is open open to the open to everybody here. Yeah, I'll start us off. Uh, I definitely, and I should have known, but as soon as I heard the names uh, Finga and Minga or Finja and Minja, I immediately was like, okay, this is the dumbest thing ever. But it proceeded to bring me into Danish lore when I freaking looked it up. And we had the maid servants of Danish King Frothy. And I was like, okay, this is yeah. I, I love I love delving deep into this stuff. So I think that those two kind of um stood out to me a little bit. I read it as Fenya and Menya. I think it would be, yeah. Yeah. It's a I think maybe the audiobook says is it is it Finja and Minja? I'm not sure because I know that the for the Danish, it's the Danish king Frodi, which is F R O D I, um, but it's actually pronounced Frothy. Okay. So I actually don't know. I didn't look up their pronunciation. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, thankfully we have somebody for that. Uh <laughs> Michael, you want if you want to correct us at any point, feel free if you've if you find that. And if it sounds dumb enough, we'll correct Wild Bow. Yeah, as we do. Right. <laughs> as we do, because we we definitely know better. Yeah, anyone else? What else? What else? Who else stood out to you in that a scene? Giant gorilla person. Um I just <laughs> the more powers that pop up, the more I'm like, God, it would suck to be you. <laughs> like neuter. Yeah. First of all, his name is Neuter. <laughs> Second of all, his like all of his like um, secretions are poison. Whoa, they're not poison. Uh, oh, oh, slow down. Hey, I'm just I'm talking about. We got a lot of people in there, and I'm just telling you who stood out to me. And later, learning more stood out. That's fair. But I'm like, that would. Also, I'd never thought about that name neuter because yeah. you always see it written. You know, sure. newt. Yeah. You know, like a lizard. And if I just heard it, I just realized, like, yeah, neuter. I'm like, is he and Skitter about to get together and, like, recastrate <laughs> Lung? Like, what's about to happen? Well, he's already been castrated. Now he's going to be neutered. Different parts. Exactly. Yeah, there you go. There yeah. you go. Now, um, the Travelers as a whole is a really interesting group. And just kind of the fact, the thing that stood out to me this time reading it was just that um, immediately what's noticed about them is somebody goes, oh, you guys are out of town. I didn't actually, ex we didn't actually expect you to show up. Um, it's kind of an interesting, I don't know, it, it just, it leads to some intrigue for their characters. And obviously, you know, I have read the rest of it, so I know more about them, but I didn't realize how, how early on that intrigue existed mm -hmm. uh, in the story. And I really like that. Yeah, same. Uh, yeah. I don't think it's much of a spoiler to say, hey, we see some of these characters again. But I forgot, too, how, how early on they showed up. Um, uh, and, and to build off of that, too, at rereading this, seeing them as, like, visitors to Brockton Bay and the fact that, like, we knew that, like, Lung was also sort of a, 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 a visitor to Brockton Bay, that, Brockton Bay that stuck around, it does sort of give 
some fun life to this fictional city, right? It feels like there's something about Brockton Bay that is drawing power and people here. Um, whether that's just, you know, reading into the text or whether there is something more going on, it's, it's kind of fun to see like uh, how everybody's sort of uh, coming together in the same place. Yeah, yeah. And, and just the fact that there is such a collection of villains here who all have their own groups that they're contributing to. Like, it's a big enough city that you have, I mean, how many gangs was it? Like four or five who all are claiming their own territory, Gosh. staking out their own mm-hmm. ground, maybe six yeah. even. Because um, I'm yeah. thinking it was Coil, Empire 88, Asian Bad Boys. Uh, fault Lines are mercenaries, so they don't really have territory. Skidmark. Uh, the travelers, the undersiders—like it's a significant number of villain gangs that are in this poor little, poor big and, town, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. And I just think that's interesting. How for that? Yeah, like the place that they went for them to have a deaf waitress—it's like so great as like a villain or like bad guy like plotting place. Cause you're not going to be overheard by the waitress when she's <laughs> like serving you. Like I felt like, yeah. And the chef gets I killed. Felt like, um, Skitter was like kind Sonic. of like, Oh, she's deaf. And like, was not processing <laughs> that. Like there is a, there's probably a very good reason why whoever owns this place is like, you're going to be the waitress because obviously like, the kind of people that come in there want privacy. Um, so, Also, we've all seen this villain meeting place, right? Because I, I can think of mean? two restaurants here oh. where I live that are 100% this <laughs> restaurant. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we don't, yeah, I we mean, know exactly where they're meeting. Yeah, yeah. Um, it certainly wouldn't be like, oh, this is so weird. Uh, I think, yeah, if if you've been in any kind of like mid to large size city, yeah, you can probably think of one or two locations that just immediately scream super sketchy things happen here. Absolutely. <laughs> well, it's again, it's, it's another one of those tropes, right, that we see all the time, right? The underground, you know, bar, the the club beneath the club, right? All like where all the all the yeah. shenanigans happen. But again, it just the way Wild Boy writes it, it feels so different. It's familiar, but but fresh. I will say this though. I think that if this were written today, that kind of place wouldn't work because I'm thinking about some places like that. And the problem is nowadays they're totally hipster destinations. Like everybody's <laughs> oh, like, God. Oh, you want to go to that historical speakeasy down in the bad district? It's so cool, man. They've yeah. got a deaf waitress, it's great, you know. Uh, that you know they care about people with uh you know with with, with disabilities like that and it, it you just immediately wouldn't work <laughs> in 2023 probably not at all yeah 2023 they're all hanging out at like a a little not see if they wanted to really hide in public they would just go and like stand around in a public park or something and just <laughs> you know hold up signs so that nobody wants to make eye contact the library yeah it's the end is nigh yeah the end is <laughs> nigh <laughs> exactly. Oh, but there is a meme that oh. goes around a lot that says, um, at least on the memes that I t- typically see, where it's uh, at the end of a movie, a war movie, it says, this film is dedicated to the brave fighters of the Mushadeen. And <laughs> at the end of our um, series, there's definitely going to be like, this is a 
This was dedicated to the brave fighters of Coil and the paramilitary boys because, oh my mm. God, I cannot imagine just being <laughs> a completely super powerless gang, but holding your own against all these guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and we'll get yeah. into that, of course, as, as uh, in the back half of this arc. But yeah, no, yeah, interesting because Coil's group is all, or what appears to be just sort of well-funded, but not exactly, uh, that, we can, that we can see at this point, not exactly powered in any way. I'm curious, too, um, what Cat and Taylor think about Coil in particular, because he not only does he come across as maybe not even having powers, but being super well-funded, but he also seems like kind of the spokesperson for the villains in Brockton Bay. Like, he's the one kind of rounding everybody up, talking to everybody, making deals with Fault Line about, you know, making sure she doesn't go to the wrong side. Like, he, he seems like uh, he seems like the leader of this weird villain group in his own way. So I'm curious what you guys think of that, of this potentially unpowered person holding so much power over the villains. Well, I think... uh, Maybe you see it differently. I think he has the biggest power of them all, and that's green. He's got that green. Because literally it's like, (laughs) oh, I I have superpowers, but I mean, how am I going to eat? You know? Oh, I guess I'll rob a bank, you know? And I think that's he's definitely the one pulling the strings, I think. Hmm. Dang. Any other, uh, yeah, any other thoughts on on that kind of first chapter there? I mean, this is the first time Lisa's finally called Taylor Skitter. That was kind <laughs> oh, of a breakthrough I moment. That. Nice. Forgot about that. Yeah, I definitely like this. Is also a fun, yeah, fun time for. Uh... <laughs> Go say that again. Uh, I was saying, I I definitely definitely laughed at Skidmark's defense of his drug dealing, um, <laughs> where he's just like, we don't just <laughs> sell to children. <laughs> and not just the men Uh, the women oh my god gosh you gotta let's just talk about each of the gangs in turn because empire 88 rolls up and they come in style Mm. in fact i feel like everybody coming in here had style yeah yeah empire 88 of course had the most swag because i mean these are politicians and police officers and (laughs) well-to-do people. <laughs> There's just something about fascists and Hugo Boss, you know? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, they looked the part. Yep. Yeah. I mean, he literally comes in in his, like, suit of armor and crown with two supermodels on his arms, and then behind yeah. him is, like, his bodyguard. Exactly. Yeah. Well, behind him, he's got, what, Purity and Hookwolf behind him, right? He's got Purity, Hookwolf, yeah. and doesn't he have Night and Fog as well? Yeah. Oh, yeah, Night and Fog. So, yeah, oh, they're yeah, just, they're, yeah. they yeah, are they're, the squad rolling exactly. in, right? Completely unnecessary, but, you know. But you, you yeah. love to see it, too, at the same time, right? Yeah. And then we roll over, and we've got Fault Lines crew, which, you know, I'm a sucker for a uh, strong female character, and boy, Faultline coming in in riot gear and a battle skirt is some hot shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I love their look. And then finally, of course, Skidmark's crew, which I just have marked as, because I couldn't remember their, their gang name if they even have one. And I just have, and then the D-Gens from Upcountry. <laughs> I mean, basically, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They, yeah, they're the... Uh... They're they're the meth heads, basically, is what it feels yes. like. Um, yes, definitely. Like uh, uh, my wife and I, we just ended up watching Breaking Bad for the first time this year, all the way oh, through. Very nice. Um, and I'm just, I can see in my head like which of the meth crews 
skid mark screw is like I I can picture it in my head and <laughs> yeah not not pleasant people not pleasant people for sure mm-hmm. no I love that the undersiders have a have a seat at this table too it's kind of fun yeah um, because like we're following them right so like they're they're sort of our our heroes here but but certainly in terms of of what we've been presented and what we know about these other groups we don't at least for me rereading it it was like well I I forgot that the undersiders are kind of taken seriously. Like they've had some, some big fights here. They've done, they put themselves on the map. So it's kind of fun to see them join the ranks of the rest of the groups. Mm. Yeah. It's this, it's this funny thing where it, it hits you where you realize like, we know that they're teenagers, but nobody else does. Like that, Mm. that was kind of that realization rereading this again of like, uh, everybody thinks that these are, you know, everybody here is equal. These are just, another group of villains. They might be a bit younger, but um, they still have a lot to say and it's important. Um, but no, yeah, they're just, they're just kids. I mean, they're high schoolers essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's wild. Like it's wild to think that high schoolers could be sitting at the same table as basically, you know, a Neo, the, you know, the modern Neo Nazi leader, the, some paramilitary guy with tons well, of money and, see, and meth dealers. We see Taylor um, kind of have that, um, the words escaping me, but that kind of like breaking of the fourth wall for her, like with shadow stalker, um, at the mall where she's just like, this is a teenager yelling at my dad right now. Like my dad's just letting a teenager scold him yeah. right now. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. And it's of just clarity. like, this, this is, they're <laughs> yeah. literally high schoolers. Like we're, I think she's just starting to get more like before she wasn't in it. So everybody that was a Cape was mystical and, you know, cool. And it was like all just so niche and she wanted to be a part of it. But now that she's a part of it, it's just like become so normal. She's just like, this is ridiculous. Like, I just thought it was so funny when she was just like, this teenager is yelling at my dad right now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And it's kind of the same thing here in the bar too, right? Where it's like, oh, wait a second. These are teenagers hanging out with these grown adults who were crime lords. Yeah. Um, and they're not the only teenagers there either. That's true. That's true. Um, Neuters, I think we established, is 16. Yeah. yeah. And, okay. uh, and Labyrinth is also... I'm pretty sure said before when they walk in there to be like maybe a freshman in high school. Like very clearly she's young. young. Yeah. 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 Um, And, you know, fault line herself is what they said, like probably somewhere around 22, 24. That's right. Yeah. She's supposed to be. She's leading a, a a crew that is kind of getting the better of uh, Lisa. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Which I think is fun because. Uh, you know, Tattletale's power is to be smarter than everybody else in the room a lot of the time. And here comes Faultline, who is, you know, just kind of apparently known for kicking her ass when it comes to smarts. And that's wild. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It does kind of make make you feel the whole like, okay, what 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 can Faultline do? What is her power? Yeah. Because um, if, if Taylor is admitting that Faultline has some has some weight behind what she can do and how she can influence people. It or not Taylor. If uh um Tattletale says that, yeah, if Lisa says that, then you know that like, okay, there's something something pretty serious going on. I also love that we get um 
I, 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 this is not going to be, I don't think it's the first time and it's not going to be the last time I make some sort of reference to uh, Veep on HBO mm-hmm. uh, just because it lives rent free in my head. But as, the, it as it should. But Lisa, like, as, because what a perfect um, character for exposition, right? Like, that's Wadbo's little uh, cheat sheet is just having Lisa being able to explain everything as people come in. But I kept thinking of the, of if, you've, if you're familiar with Veep and Tony Hale's character, uh, yeah. whenever like the vice president is being introduced to large groups of people, he's just standing over her shoulder, whispering into her ear who everybody is and like one important fact about them. And I was just getting that the whole time with Lisa. Like, oh, fault line, yada, yada, yada. Oh, here's Coil, yada, yada, yada. Just like secretly in the back the whole time. Yeah. And it's something I hadn't thought about until hearing it again now. But Coil, for all how like his seriousness and his, you know, the kind of the grounded nature of his crew, he has a very ostentatious and kind of silly outfit. Um, it's it's yep. very comic booky. When everybody else, while they're you know they have costumes, they're kind of more practical or you know fit a theme that's you know not like oh I'm a superhero. It's you know his is very clearly though like I'm a supervillain, and he wears an all skin tight suit that you know is akin to the polka dot man from DC. <laughs> An all skin tight suit with with the the snake coiling around it, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. it's very cool. In, it is, yeah, it's cool in concept, cool but like looking at it, it probably looks a little goofy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like thinking of the like because, like you said, from what we know of Coil right now, he's very very wealthy. That's about all we could tell. So I like the thought of he's really just trying to play supervillain. So he's like, well, I I've got to be a supervillain. I guess I. I guess I need a costume. I can't just, I can't just wear like a nice suit, even though I could afford it. So he's got to put something together. And it, look, it feels like everybody else is like his group is well funded. His paramilitary is like thousands of dollars worth of armor and gear. But he's got to have. He still has to have the supervillain costume to look the part. Yeah, mm. yeah. And the fact that he's described too, I think part of what's interesting with him is the, the way that he's described. Right. Not only is he this possibly unpowered paramilitary person, but he also is described as really thin. He is not a physically imposing person at all. Mm -hmm. And that's part of what fascinates me about him is that he just, he just is. (laughs) He's nothing really (laughs) special. He just is. Like Taylor said, most powerful thing you can have is green. That cheddar. Mm. It's true. All right, any more things about the villain meeting before we move um, to the aftermath? So Taylor did have a thought that continued to interest me because she seems to still think that she's going to leave them and betray them, the undersiders. Um, and I just don't see her... I see her becoming more and more of a villain um, from here. Like, I just, I just think that she's going to start seeing those in the protectorate as the Emmas of the world. Um, people who are not actually good people, but are treated like they're walking on water. Um, even if they legitimately can walk on water, but you get my metaphor. Um, 
So I don't know. I just think it's interesting because we see her get more and more comfortable, more and more close. I mean, she spent how much time just hanging out with them after her concussion. And then here she is saying, I knew it would be hard to turn on them to pull off that grand betrayal and turn their information over to the protectorate. But she was saying, like, I knew I could still do it. Mm. Like, I don't think you can. I don't think you're going to do that. But whatever you say, <laughs> I guess we'll see. Yeah, whatever keeps you going. Yeah, definitely, definitely comes across as her trying to convince herself more than anything, you know. Yeah, like absolutely. oh yeah, yeah, I'm I'm totally gonna turn these guys in. Yeah, they're villains, obviously. <laughs> if anyone asks me, I'm gonna yes, do the right yes. thing. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, it's the right thing. To I'm do. not a villain, <laughs> even if I'm doing the exact same things yeah. that all the villains do. Exactly. <laughs> Moving outside the uh, outside of the meeting afterwards, you know, we have the blow up where. Hook, Wolf, and Bitch have their little disagreement because he runs the dog fighting rings and she's breaking that up in the interlude. Um, afterwards, Brian has to have another one of his t- uh, talks with Bitch. And I totally get the reason, but every time he does it, he says the same thing, which is like, I hate it when you make me do this. And it's just mm. such abuse language. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Especially since he's the one that saved his sister from that. Um, unfortunately, it does show the cycle of abuse that kind of goes from it. I actually have the same thing written down. Yeah, and his dad too. I mean, is also well, that's who he saved his sister no, from. Was... Yeah, yeah. Well, no, he, he saved, saved his sister's sister's boyfriend. boyfriend. Oh, that's right. That's yeah, right. Yeah, from the boyfriend. But um, his dad is also a really intense person, right? He's mentioned his dad yeah. was in the military. He, his dad's the reason okay, why he knows yeah, how to yeah. fight. Yeah. Because his yeah. dad's the one, he, he was saying his dad is the one who like, I may have been like an eight-year-old kid, but that doesn't mean that a grown man was going to go easy on me, uh, even though he was, you know, twice my, you know, three times my size and weight. And so I, I can hear, um, I, I yeah, you can kind of hear the echoes of that that bad dad voice that's like, I hate that you're making me do this to you. Um, and that, that kind of unhealthy family pattern that you can see there. Absolutely. I hadn't picked up on that, but that's a great observation. Yeah. Which is so wild, you know, cause it's Brian and Brian is like the steady least villainy person we've kind of met in the group. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I also think it was, it's, it's kind of an interesting scene too, because you sort of get a, a little bit of insight into um, Brian and Rachel's dynamic because they, they go back further than anybody else in the group. You know, they were, mm. they were sort of partnered up before they joined the undersiders. And yeah. we, we know what we know of bitch. She sort of responds in theme to her whole power uh, where she's sort of, we, in terms of the story, at least, like there is that alpha wolf dynamic, right? Um, yeah. And so, and so seeing seeing Brian sort of take that role. I mean, we even see that in Bitch's interlude, right, from Brutus's mm-hmm. perspective, mm-hmm. where he's, she's where he says, uh, you know, uh, Rachel is the alpha of their pack, but she's not the alpha of her pack, and yeah. kind of recognizes Brian in that role. Um, and sort of taking on that, uh, that angle of the, uh, of their relationship is kind of interesting, uh, abusive. Yes. But also sort of what 
Rachel needs. It feels so dirty and wrong coming out of my mouth to say yeah. that. But like, but like, <laughs> we're talking about these characters in a story. Nobody needs or deserves abuse. Let's just be very upfront about that. <laughs> but yeah. uh, but in terms of this character and the way that she responds and how how animalistic she reacts to things, it's sort of fitting. Yeah, we get that. Uh, the talking. Um, you know, finally we get an opportunity to kind of like have Taylor's talk with bitch where she looks at her and is like, clearly bitch isn't getting it. And Taylor kind of has this moment of like trying to emotionally relate and begin to figure out what, what the hell's up with Rachel. Um, Mm -hmm. And so she reaches out and, you know, has this moment of sympathy with, with bitch where they kind of trade like, Hey, uh, you know, Emma really fucked me up and I kind of understand like bitches anger, you know, and my anger and how they kind of intertwine, uh, and mirror each other and have this good moment as they're like walking and talking and she's thinking, you know, still thinking about betraying them, but yeah, it's this, it's this interesting dynamic that bitch and, Taylor have there. And I think a lot of it is because you have that kind of mutual understanding where Taylor gets what it's like to be put down and to be hurt. And she's trying to put herself into bitch's shoes. And I think that's really admirable. Um, and yeah, it's just a tough place where she's like, I'm trying to understand you, but I, I don't really get you either. Um, but yeah, we get that insight into bitch, and I like that where it's like, um, like like Brian says in the bar, he's like, listen, if you are in this area and you attack or you are doing bad things to dogs, you just kind of know. I like the analogy he uses. He's like, you wouldn't tell your people to stop harassing gay people, would you? And uh, Kaiser's like, well, of course not. <laughs> Why would anyone do that? <laughs> obviously, 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 yeah. Um, <laughs> which I. I kind of do love that in a twisted way. And Gru's just like, well, okay, then it's, you know, the same thing. If you're doing bad stuff to, you're doing bad stuff to dogs, you should just know. Like that's, you're going to get it from, from Rachel. It's just the way it is, man. Mm-hmm. Don't blame us when she comes beating down your door. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, everyone's got their, said their piece on this, on this chapter. Let's go ahead and uh, move on because <laughs> we've got I, we've got so much to talk about still, and we're through chapter one. This is there's so much meat in this in this arc. Well, that was I love chapter it. two as well. Oh, that's true. Okay, chapter we're chapter one. There. Okay, you're right. You're right. That's right. I miss I misread my notes here. All right, so chapter three, the mall post uh, post terrorist attack at a mall, which is unfortunately relevant in terms of the atmosphere and the mood that we sort of get in that scene. How did, how did that come across for everybody? Just the uh, capitalistic, uh, oh, well, in order to keep people coming into these big crowded places, we're holding a bunch of sales. And, it's, and he, Taylor even comments like, yeah, it's probably not the smartest thing, but, and I was like, no, yeah, this is definitely, this, this is real life. This is exactly what would happen. I mean, it did. The post 9-11 blowout. Post COVID. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. mean, we saw that yeah. with, you know, and a lot of things were shut down and they were still trying to 
find ways to incentivize people to shop. Now, online shopping um, kept a lot of places in business, but also like when people weren't patronizing those stores, they get shut down. So I kind of get it because like the businesses, like people still need to make money, but um, but it is kind of you know interesting that the way they have the, the the police there, but then they have you know a random teenager and her superhero uh, chaperone, uh, you know, just causing a scene, not really doing much, but to help the situation because I feel like they're just, you know, causing more issues than they were helping. Yeah. It's, it's kind of that, um, kind of that mixture of you want people to feel like they're safe. And in this world, the way that people would probably feel safe is if there are superheroes around the downside, like you said, that that creates is that that also draws a lot of attention and it may even draw more people there, which makes that, technically an even more unsafe environment, especially when you're thinking of, you know, you're thinking like a terrorist, you want to hit things that will cause a lot of emotional damage, not just physical damage. A big mall is a good place to hit. If there's heroes there, even better, because you might knock out a couple of big heroes that you want to get rid of. Like it, it's a weird dynamic between, I imagine, the protectorate and the wards wanting to keep people safe versus and trying to keep businesses open versus balancing that with uh, if we make it too attractive of a target, it's a bad thing. And I like too how um, I, I think she says that, you know, people, people want to go back to normal. Like they want to be there shopping and enjoying everything, right? So people are trying to experience a bit of normalcy and, uh, and sort of try to forget everything that's been happening. Um, but it's hard to do that too when... <laughs> You have capes present and checkpoints and bag checks and all this kind of stuff. Like, you can't really return to that normal, but people are going to try anyway. Just more flashbacks to the heat of COVID. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because they even yeah. have the same yeah. curfews going on in their universe that we did. And at least like, their curfews cow. make sense. Yeah, yeah, right. I'm like I, <laughs> at least their curfews happen. I mean, I still yeah. have yeah. become so confused. I'm like. <laughs> COVID gets you after 7 p.m., but not before. <laughs> right. Yeah, but you're, you're safe before 7. Like I remember my dad yeah, exactly. getting off work for, at the hospital where he works, going to the Waffle House, and the police were there forcing the Waffle House to shut down and then telling him, no, you got to go home, it's curfew. And I'm like, for those non-Southern people, Waffle House does not close. Like, mm, never. And so literally that was just hilarious when it's like, look, dude, I was just in a hospital. I would have gotten it there. So like, why, why are you shutting down my Waffle House? I'm bringing it I need actually. Some eggs. Yeah. And to be fair, there are a thousand other diseases you're going to catch at Waffle House besides that. Absolutely. Yeah. So. You're going to catch a right hook. And, and Waffle House is totally the meeting point, right? From where the, where the villains were. They were all at Waffle Around House. Around here. They were all at Waffle House. Yeah. Exactly. Lying at you. Yeah, that, that, trust me, if COVID wanted to, you know, move around in a Waffle House, it's going to have to fight everything else in there. COVID's been in the Waffle House and it lost. <laughs> That's, you, you're Waffle not House wrong. Waffle House is the Chuck Norris of restaurants. COVID's going to get into a knife fight in the back behind Waffle House with, Ebol <laughs> with Ebola and E. coli. Yep. 
But having a villain hide out in the Waffle House since it's all glass is not a good idea because now I'm picturing looking in there and just seeing all the suits. <laughs> and you're just like, oh, I wonder what's going on in there. But would you actually care? Because like, it's a Waffle House. I mean, you could look at a Waffle House any day of the week and, and see That's any true. number. That of, is true. Uh, counterpoints. That is true. Points and counterpoints. Right. Points and counterpoints. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Michael, have fun <laughs> clipping out the Waffle House rant. No. no, the Waffle House stays. <laughs> nah, yeah, that definitely stays. Yeah, Waffle but House also, definitely What also stays, stays is uh, the whole rant about us telling to keep the rants in. Don't you dare cut <laughs> those out, Michael. <laughs> um, well, while I have you, it is Fenya and Menya. That's what we're going Excellent. with. That's what oh, I Oh, thank you. Most thank consistent you. thing. Menya and Most Menya. consistent thing I was Menya and Menya. No, that, that sounds sense. about right. That's kind of yeah, what I'd expect. Carry on. Uh, I'd like to move on to my, uh, to, to the segment. Taylor, what the fuck? And mm. uh, in, in this case, you know, brain damage causing her to freak out and punch Emma just right in the right in the kisser. What the fuck, Taylor? Yeah, yeah. But also, like, like I uh, get it. But but it's also also like a fuck yeah, Taylor. Yeah, I, yeah, I would no, say no. this is more of a yeah. fuck yeah, Taylor. Um, yeah, they they wow. interweave sometimes. Yeah. Uh, sometimes, because yeah. definitely I. I hate it because I've seen this before and it just makes me so sad, especially with what we'll talk about in the next chapter. But like people, people will do things over and over and over again. And then like uh, the, the whole fuck around find out. It's like people will fuck around forever and then someone will cause them to find out and then they get mad about it. And oh my gosh, mm. it just... I was literally reading this mad, which is not good because I was on break at work. But <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. There's a lot to be mad I about. Like how she just this. like dissociated completely. It was like, oh, I hit her. <laughs> she was just right. Like her subconscious was like, this is going down. Her face whopped. Just inside, it's a tiny Palpatine. Do it. Strike her exactly. down. <laughs> I don't think exactly. that Shadow Stalker made that scene any better. Like, she did not help the situation. I honestly think she escalated it by making... She's like, yeah, it was already a scene, but when the superhero walks over, and you know she was talking in her loud superhero voice, and is, like, putting her in, like, mm-hmm. a zip-tie yeah. handcuff, I'm like, come on. I mean, I mean, not to get political, but when have loud cops ever made situations better? For real, yeah. To 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 make the joke in this situation, oh, they had a problem. Call over a cape. Now they got two problems. Right. Right. <laughs> and just the, the thought process of like, it's it's a child soldier, like literally yeah, a child yeah, soldier yeah, just really. walked over and like puts yep. put a child that is her peer in handcuffs and then yelled at a grown ass man. Also, from what we know of Shadow Stalker, just from some of the interludes, Shadow Stalker's kind of like Shadow Stalker's only a award because she was a vigilante and she like did too many bad things and got shoved yeah, onto this. Exactly. They were like, yeah. "You better get your act together because it's juvie or the wards." Right, like cop shifting departments. Exactly. <laughs> not not really the person you want in this scenario either. <laughs> like, not probably not a great de-escalator. Not at all. And no. also, and this is me maybe forgetting, but where was the other cape? Who who was the who was chauffeuring? What's her name? Uh, Battery, uh, who also has a bad history, apparently. Yeah, 
So not right. even not even like a better person necessarily. No, not <laughs> yeah. yeah. Not a great combo. Yeah. yeah. So just a just a bad combination all around of of people. Yeah. But fuck, man. I love Danny. He's literally this a perfect bean. Because like <sighs> And that's just it. <laughs> I don't remember loving him this much. Uh, he is my favorite character because I he can do no wrong in my eyes. Just can't because how has he done wrong? No. Uh, only only in his own mind, which is when he freaked out about Taylor getting sent to the hospital and got really angry. Apparently, but even that, I feel like that that level of that dad rage is probably justified. justified. If your mm-hmm. daughter gets shoved in a locker full of used menstrual products. You're telling me you, and then it sends her to the psych ward. Are you telling me you want to flip shit on everybody in that school? I would. Mm-hmm. So 100% mm-hmm. justified. Yeah. And I, the best dad advocate, yeah. okay? Because if you saw your daughter just punch her ex-best friend in the face while you're just like having a conversation with her dad, like most people aren't just going to be like, so what's wrong? Like, <laughs> even, like <laughs> yeah yeah and he immediately defends her too he's like it's the concussion i'm so sorry like he, he even just immediately jumps in and is like please don't hold this against her like she's not in her right mind and then later is like hey you're not okay what's up talk to me and i yeah that that too is just really nice that immediate rather than being like you know taylor what the heck why would you do that and jumping on her in addition to the other two she's he's kind of like immediately defending her, which I think is great too. And, and Taylor tells him. She finally tells him. Yeah, she does. that was so satisfying. More than the punch, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, like him just her. that quiet, oh, oh, yep. like. <sighs> yeah. Yep. Oh, it hurts. Mm-hmm. And, and fuck Emma's dad. What's his name? Alan? Fuck Alan. Alan, 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 God, I have a note in here. It's for later, but yeah. it just says, fuck, fuck you, you, Alan. Alan. <laughs> it says, fuck, I love Danny. And then fuck you, Alan. Yeah, I literally actually right above fuck you, Alan. It says, let's go, Danny, too. I, I literally wrote Emma has a lawyer dad. Now it all makes sense because yeah, yeah. Any, yeah I was like, OK, now everything's tracking. So that does sort of I was going to say that transitions well. Next chapter mm-hmm. into the uh, confrontation at the school or the uh, the the little sit down with the principal and all the teachers, all the bullies. This is this is quite the moment. I had so much anxiety reading this, and I didn't realize till like halfway through the chapter that like I just needed to get up and walk around or do something because I just had. So much going on. I fucking love this scene and I felt uncomfortable reading it the whole time. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, yeah, as you should. Yeah. And I felt terrible because literally I knew what was going to happen before just because of how realistic he wrote it. Like, literally, she brings out the different things. And as soon as we find out it's like school accounts, I was like, oh, they're going to discredit that. As soon as she's bringing up all the instances, I'm like, oh, okay, well, they can easily just say that there's no proof. And in it, oh my gosh, the whole thing just was like 
just a pot boiling over and over again. <sighs> this is, t- up until this point in the story, I think this chapter is Wild Bo's strongest writing. It mm-hmm. feels so real, as you're saying, Taylor. Um, the fact that the fact that Taylor character is saying that right after your name, uh, had like log books of all of this going day by day was such like a, like, Oh yes. Fuck yes. You know, she got, she kept it all right. But then right into the rebuttals from the parents, nobody really believing her, the anger, the frustration, like, yeah, it's just, too real almost like you want to you you we read fantasy to escape from real life not, right. to, not to like read transcripts of what happened yesterday afternoon and i was taking notes you know? yeah because whenever whenever she talked about you know danny and i discussed um what we wanted to get out of this meeting beforehand because you because he said that you always need to go into these meetings with goals and i was like okay i'm writing that down yeah and her goal was so simple, right? She all she wanted to do was be transferred. Right. She's like, which feels yeah, like yeah. such an easy solution. She's like, I li- yeah, the way that she was like, I just don't want to be in this school anymore. And it's like they're like, um, well, a two week suspension, anything more than a two week suspension for them seems terrible. And she's like, I'm literally not asking for that. Like <laughs> they were just not listening to her at all, and then they weren't even going to try to transfer. I I am so pissed one at the principal obviously at the bitches and the thing is people who are bullies usually have parents who are bullies right so i'm not surprised at the way that their guardians reacted to all of that stuff but the principal mr glad gladly oh yeah gladly seriously and then um and I feel like Mrs. Knott was trying a little bit, but just like was, didn't want to go against Mr. Gladly and the principal. Like she just obviously wanted to stay on the side of the principal or like stay very neutral. And I just, I just hated that for her because she was so right when she said, it feels like me and my dad against the rest of you. It was so clearly. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And the fact that she's like, yeah. transfer it's, me. Yeah. Get me out of the school. You guys don't want me here. I don't want to be here. Let me leave. <laughs> yeah. And then they just talk past her like, ah, but if only there was a solution to this. I guess yeah. suspension. <laughs> she's like, might as well beat, you know, beat against a, a soundproof glass wall. Like, can y'all even hear me? Like, what the she's fuck? She's like, y'all have positioned yeah. us over here, you know. Um, a suspension is you're just giving them a little vacation and everything. She's like, I don't want any of that. I just want to be transferred. And it's just, mm-hmm. I mean, I can see it the whole time where I'm like, this principal sat the teachers down and was like, hey, we're about to have a meeting. Um, and one of the partners at the law firm, his daughter is getting accused of something. So we need to go ahead and make this go away. You know what I'm saying? Like, it wasn't sitting yeah. there like, yeah, hey, yeah. we've had a student that's been bullied and we kind of need... No, it was definitely like, hey, we need to make sure that this family doesn't cause trouble with all of our, like, more affluent students. Mm-hmm. No, it definitely felt felt like that, where it was like, okay, yeah, you you guys are just immediately jumping on this person's side, or at least trying to do that without making it seem like you're doing that. And that's just what's so frustrating. And I get it. Like, I get a small bit of it because you can't, 
you can't just throw the book at a student because another student accuses them of something. But the difference is that it's very clear that stuff has happened to Taylor. And they even admit that. They're like, yeah, some of this probably happened, which is just a stupid thing to say. Um, but it's just so frustrating because she's not making this up. Like you can tell, and we, of course we know because we're looking at it from Taylor's perspective, but if you would just listen to her and you would hear what she's saying, you'd hear the descriptions and my goodness, even just to say, you know what, let's try to get some other students. Let's get some anonymous people. Maybe we'll try to confirm your story for you. See if we can get any other reports of stuff like this. They don't even try. It's it's so frustrating that they don't even try. Yeah. To you know, they're saying, mm-hmm. "Do you have any evidence, Taylor?" They're putting all the burden on the poor bullied kid, which is so wrong. Like that's just the ac- exact opposite of what you should do as an it's administrator in this situation. That they brought her in, and the first meeting with the faculty isn't, "Hey, we're going to sit down with the principal and the guidance counselor." It's we're going to sit down with the principal, the guidance counselor, Gladly, and all the other people. Yeah, like they didn't have... Like, yep. isn't that usually like, a you know, abuser tactics? Like 101, what not to do is get right. them in the room with the abusers? Like there, there should have been... Yeah, well, I, I don't think it was like a guidance counseling session. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, of course. But like, but like that should have been like a, hey, we've got a problem teacher. There's been, you know, all this bullying. And it's like, oh, cool. Let us bring in all the bullies too. Well, the problem actually is that Alan called the meeting. Oh, you're right. Oh, that's true. You're right. Oh, shit. Yeah, right. yeah, he, they had the ace up the sleeve, which is they finally pushed Taylor to the limit of her assaulting his daughter, which, um, which yeah, it was assault, you know. Let's be honest. Who, yeah. what? prosecutor because her dad's not a prosecutor okay so he's not just going to suddenly be able to press charges and do this case like he could be her defending lawyer sure but he's not a prosecutor so what prosecutor is going to do a case where it's like a 15 16 year old girl punched another 15 16 year old girl like if they fucking press charges every time a kid got punched by another kid. Yeah, no, I definitely I definitely hear you. I definitely hear you there. But it's definitely a viable threat. Yeah, I think it's more of a offensive, like it just being the threat of like, hey, if you try to make this, you know, if you try to attack my daughter, Emma in this case, like just know that you will not win that fight. And, you know, he goes on the offensive first. And this entire time is like, yeah, we, you know, he called it so quickly that hopefully they wouldn't have time to get their shit together. But as we all know, Taylor brought the receipts. And also they even mentioned like, oh, you will go bankrupt paying all the legal fees. So Mm. it's like, I have the means to drag this out in court. You don't have the means to fight it, which Which is is just the lowest of the low. Which is sad because, because it's part of, yeah. I mean, because the reality is like, if it, did go to court, like if it actually got in front of a judge and jury, Taylor probably wins that. Like there's enough circumstantial evidence to win a civil case. You don't need, uh, civil cases are different than criminal in in that sense. But uh, like, I think that's part of it is Alan being the attorney knows that like, okay, my only chance of actually winning this is to either prevent the lawsuit from ever coming to court or just doing tactical stuff to drag it out so that they can't afford it. Because the reality is like Taylor probably wins that. And he doesn't want to be in that position where 
now his daughter is, you know, got a criminal record or anything like that, uh, which is kind of just so sleazy, like just brutal tactics, which are pointed out as well, as you guys have been saying. Mm-hmm. Oh, I hate it. Yeah, it's also interesting that Taylor, as we're in her mindset and, you know, her state of thinking, you know, she is having to hold back all of her impulses now. Um, and, and we kind of got a vibe from this from the very first scene of like her in the bathroom. But if she isn't holding back, her power is going. And if she isn't holding back, she's throwing punches. Like mm-hmm. her natural state, at least at this point, and potentially since she got powers, is militant. Well, and did you notice when Danny had said, like, there's probably like a reason for that? I think this goes back to me thinking back in the very beginning when we got his interlude, where I'm like, I feel like he has maybe some like extreme emotion or something. Like maybe his maybe he doesn't have a power that's like a power, but maybe it's just like intense emotions. Um and I think that maybe he's thinking that like maybe Taylor also is getting those same kind of like emotional um, outburst and like the extremeness of it. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or maybe he's a manic de- bipolar, manic depressive. Yeah, but this is a fantasy, so that's that's not. <laughs> I I mean, given the everything else talked about. I feel like it's not that fantastical to have some mental health problems too. Yeah. Well, I mean, let's also, before we jump to that, he lost his wife in a horrific accident, you know? Yeah, yeah. So you're dealing with that as well emotionally. And then you have to raise a daughter on your own, which if he, if he was like a regular dad, he wasn't even doing like 50% of the raising. I mean, I, you know what I mean? He's having to learn how to cook waffles and, uh, you know, yeah. casseroles and yeah. anything to feed them because it's just like, oh man, if it, I don't know how to heat it up. Well, Taylor oh does kind of say that how she's like, you got to learn how to cook for yourself. You know, when your dad's a widower, yeah. um, and he doesn't know how to, and he he's just busy too. Like he's the only one. Yeah, he he's the only one providing for the family. He's busy working. Um, mm-hmm. late hours and and clearly too he's one of those he's like just a slight step above a lower class blue collar worker clearly mm-hmm. um because he's just immediately like you know i am doing the best i can um but when alan mentions you know we could drag this out for a long time in court you you can feel his heart drop where he's like you would do that like you know that we don't have a lot of money and you would do that to us which is why like that my just, favorite part oh, of the chapter it, it is sucks. every time Danny said, shut up, Alan. Like, <laughs> yeah. 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 And it's just so annoying because this isn't even the first offense. Like, this is, okay, we had a student that was shoved in a locker full of used tampons, had a mental lapse. And, and like, Danny's like, you told me you would look into this. Like, y'all told me that y'all would look into this. Why does my daughter have notebooks full of incidences? Like, what is happening here? Mm. I think that's part of it, too, with the administrators and the teachers, is they feel guilty because they're, like, they're trying to make all these excuses of, like, oh, you know, we just, we have so many other things going on. It's just so hard for us to, to, 
do all of this and to keep in mind all the things you want us to do. But that's just such a lame excuse. And you can feel it too. It's like, they're just really trying to back up and cover their asses as much as they can. And it feels so bad. Yeah. This is the example of like, you can use super villains as like, a, oh yeah, why didn't I make it? Oh, there were super villains bombing the place. Like, <laughs> this is one of those times where the, the excuse just doesn't land of like, oh, what, ha- well, you know, why can't you take care of her? It's like, oh, because uh, uh, super villain gangs are in the school. Like, yeah, sure, they're like, we have people whatever. selling drugs. And I'm like, really, Mr. Gladly? You're you're stopping kids from, you're probably selling drugs. <laughs> yeah, if anybody's selling drugs, it's definitely That's Mr. Gladly. That's what I'm Gladly. saying. Oh, 100%. Also, finally, we get the moment where Taylor goes full school shooter and is like, how right. about I just bring a knife to school? How about I just start <laughs> stabbing people? <laughs> <laughs> Would you listen to me then? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, all right, all right calm kinda, down, Taylor. I kind of get it, though. That's the. I just want to know why. Nick. And maybe it's for dramatic effect, but. I get it. <laughs> why the, the option of doing what Brian did, which was like online school or getting her GED wasn't an option. Like that's not been crossed her mind once this whole time. And I just feel like. Not yet. I, I imagine this might be yeah, the straw that breaks like, the Campbell's back though, where she's like, you know what? You're right. (laughs) Fuck it. (laughs) I think this goes into um, one of the things she's repeated a few times, which is she's not about to to not show up to something because that's letting them win. Um, Mm -hmm. But by going to Arcadia, she still gets a W under her belt because she's not calling it quits. Um, And at the same time, you know, she's not giving in, but... Uh, it would relieve all of her problems and still allow her to, you know, go to school, to live a, you know, best revenge is a well-lived life, that whole thing. There's a point when you need to not make it about winning as in getting a one up, but winning as in the win is getting yourself out of a situation like that. Like, and I get it. I mean, she's a teenager. She's not going to, she's going to, she thinks it's a battle that needs to be won. And sometimes winning the battle is just leaving it. And I think that would probably be the best course of action because if she can't get to Arcadia high school, then you should not like, no matter what the option is not to stay in that school. The teachers are shit. The, the principal shit, obviously it's a shitty school just in general, um, full offense to the principal. Um, but yeah, just, and then just like maybe have a bumblebee that's like constantly buzzing in their ear, like around their face and they're, con- you know, just like <laughs> something like that where, you know, I don't know. I just, and I think that's just comes with like the immaturity. Cause like I'm speaking from the perspective of someone who's not a teenager for a while so I just feel like it's like, just remove yourself. Just, just get out of there. You don't have to take it as a loss if you don't have, like you just don't have to. So I think something that probably also prevented her before is if she just dropped out, like that, her dad's going to find out that part. And, you know, she doesn't want to disappoint him, but she also didn't want to tell him about the bullying never 
you know, until then. But now that she's told him, mm-hmm. perhaps that becomes an option. She's like, hey, dad, I don't want to ever go back to that place again. And he's like, yeah. like, why would I ever make you go back? There? He's like, actually, I really like your supervillain friends. They're way nicer. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that is that is basically what it is, though, sadly, is that yeah. her best friends are bad people, technically. But they're the only um, people that are being good to her outside of her dad. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. They're the they're the only people who've been nice to her. How does how does the record Ralph quote go? Right, we're we're bad guys, but that doesn't mean we have to be bad guys. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. But Taylor walks out of that walks out of the school, has to you know take a little venting moment. She gets the call, and Lisa's like, "Hey, we're about to we're about to have a, a throwdown. You in?" And Taylor hits us with the line, "I want to hit someone." Oh yeah, <laughs> and I'm ready to fucking go. Uh, gloves are off. Yep, yep, absolutely. All right. Any uh, any final thoughts before we get into wrapping this up with some predictions and and closing us out? Any last thoughts on the on the first four chapters as a whole? No. All right. We've said all that needs to be said. I love it. I think. All right. Let's. I'll just add this. Um, I don't know if this is the moment, and I actually haven't read the rest of Arc Five, so I can't remember what happens next. But I remember we talked a lot about in previous arcs, especially uh, Taylor. You were predicting that there was going to be a heel turn, and this kind of feels like that pivotal moment where it's like, okay, yeah, we're getting closer. This is the moment. We're getting closer. Yeah. So. All right. Well, with that, then we will. Save the juicy predictions for the for the rest of the arc. So for next episode, we'll go ahead and we'll look at the remainder of Arc 5 plus the interlude and um, see exactly what Taylor decides to hit. And until next time, thank you for everyone who's listening in. It's been a lot of fun as always. Uh, we're going to be here through the rest of the whole, whole series, so stick around. We've got a long way to go. Michael, want to play us out? Welcome back to another episode of Dissecting Worm. I think that's what we're going to go with. I think we've been playing around with some uh, some names, but I think I like Dissecting Worm. It's a pretty good name. Yeah. Yeah, I think all of our worm ideas, I'm very surprised that that's the one like we skipped over somehow. Yeah. (laughs) I know. It gets kind of just kind of uh, slotted it in there. Anyway, we are back, myself, Jacob, with Alan. No other, no other guests this episode. And we are looking at arc five of Worm. Um, probably just the first four or so chapters, and then I think we're going we're gonna to push the rest of the arc to the next episode just for time purposes, because boy, oh boy, do we have a lot to work through in this arc. So I was trying to think about where we wanted to start thinking about this arc in terms of how we wanted to break it up. Um, 
because it's funny. There is a lot of meat here, mm. but mm-hmm. it, there's not necessarily like that that much time to work with uh, compared to the other other arcs. Like you could fit this into one episode. There's not there's not a, a ton of extra stuff to deal with, but there is enough for a full episode here. Yeah, I think there's enough conversations between the what I would consider the first part and the second part. Uh, five point, you know, one through four, and then five point five through ten, and then the interlude uh, mm-hmm. to yeah. warrant. You know, there's just all these conversations between people, um, mm-hmm. yeah, that take place that I think warrant two whole episodes. Um, yeah, and 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 even there's some other pacing issues with this, which get into. Uh, more so the end. But what I do like about mm-hmm. cutting this into two episodes is that allows us to put more interludes in as post-credit scenes. Yes. Exactly my thought as well. All right, so let's let's dive in. These first four chapters deal primarily with uh, Taylor's uh, outing with her dad, uh her her confrontation with emma the um the confrontation at the school with the bullies and the principal and all the teachers there that whole yeah. thing well you forgot about the course, first part the first I did part i skipped over yeah is, you're right i did is the that. villain meeting yes yes and then we get which, to the, the civilian which, stuff. i mean I, you know uh, part of me wants to play around with the script a lot but part of me is also like Wildbow made it easy. I mean, I feel like that's a great intro to the episode. It's the villain meeting. Yeah, no, <laughs> no complaints. I feel like it it goes it ties in well, especially we're keeping all the bombs going off in the last episode. Carry yeah. that right in. Yeah, uh, I think I, it's not much needs to change. I think uh, I think we talked about last time moving, um, moving the Brutus interlude over. Potentially. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a yeah. really good decision because it ties the two episodes together. If you end the last episode uh, with Purity going and joining mm-hmm. and having the conversation with Max, mm-hmm. it's perfect because, you know, she walks in with Max in this episode. Yeah. But if you yep. have, and, and then this episode starts with, you know, uh, bitch and Brutus, Mm -hmm. which is a perfect tie back, you know, especially if we end it with a bomb going off and her looking and being like, what the hell's going on? You know, tying to timeline wise, what, you know, what we remember, you don't have to do a, have have any sort of like previously on, it's just bitch is doing her thing because she was off doing her thing. And then a bomb goes off and you're like, Oh, that's right. Bombs. And you're yeah. back in. No need for the last time. Exactly. Exactly. And yeah, then, of no, course, that ties the, perfectly well, into uh, dealing with Hook Wolf. <laughs> exactly. Actually, you're 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 kind of right on the money. Yeah. A lot of this is going to flow really nicely, which is perfect. Makes it for uh, makes for easy writing. So, what doesn't make it for easy writing in this point is we gotta fix the timeline. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. So to fix the timeline, because we've got the you know we've got this thing where like Taylor goes ahead and you know there's like at the very beginning of 
all of these arcs. Uh, mm-hmm. Taylor has this issue where she, you know, she does her thing and she decides she's going to go superheroing on Thursday and she doesn't do it until what's Sunday night. Right. And then she, you know, comes and it's this weird like time jump uh, that I didn't feel. Uh, I feel like if we do a show, it's got to be like she's doing this on a Friday. She's like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going. Um, And then like Mm -hmm. everything kind of immediately day after day after day happens. Um, Right. And then you get to this and, you know, she's got brain damage. She's out for a (laughs) week. Yeah. And that's, you know. Yeah. That's a that's a long time. It is, especially with, as you said, the way the the way the the episodes have been pacing so far. Um, yeah, I mean, the nice thing is, is this, there's a lot of easy ways to sort of go around that, right? So either we just shorten the time she's out, you know, just to a day or so, and just kind of keep things moving, which, in my opinion, makes a bit more sense because of everything. Uh, with the bombs going off and the sort of uh, the whole, all the villains getting together to discuss it, that feels like it'd be a pretty urgent thing. They're not going to drag that out a bit. So, you know, maybe we just shorten that timeline a bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, So part of this, I think, is for this episode. Um, And this would come to the interlude that we, or not the interlude, but... uh, an extra scene that we'd come up with that we wanted to add. I think this is a perfect part at the end of this episode as we split it into half. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it's been a week. There are bombs going off everywhere. What does Bakuda want? And people kind of talking, you know, mentioning things about like, it's just running rampant. We just need to end this. And I think it's perfect to end this episode on her breaking along out. Oh, okay. This is the episode where the post-credit or the end of, you know... See, I was thinking... Okay, well, I mean, it could work either way, I guess. I think think in my mind, I was going to put that in the last episode to coordinate uh, or to parallel, rather, the explosions. Mm. Right, so... So you show the bombs going off, you show the reactions to it, and we see in that same scene the breakout, just to sort of illustrate the whole point of the bombings in the first place. Yeah. Um, but you could I, cut back to it, of course, if you want to put it in this episode and, and cut back to that moment and then you know leave, leave the bombs a mystery in, in the previous episode and then answer that question here. I think that does work too. So yeah. you, you could easily put it here. Yeah, and I think my logic would be for Bakuda, like, they talk about her during the meeting. Like she's a dog without mm-hmm. a leash. Maybe like now that lung's yeah. gone, yada, yada. She thinks she's in control. She's a maniac. But at the end of this episode, you realize like the whole reason that she's running around causing all this chaos is to kind of draw all the heroes and people's attentions away from right. lung. Um, right. And, and that's when she strikes, you know, it takes a week to yeah. maybe draw people away, draw attention away. Or maybe put pressure enough that they have to move him. And that's when oh, she Oh, yeah. Okay. So maybe it has okay. taken a week. Okay. Yeah. 
That, that actually, that works too. Um, which works, I think, well for the second half because they go like, oh my God, and lungs here. Mm, true. So uh, make that... Uh, oh, see that... Ooh, that would be interesting because you could actually... Well, that's true. We could actually reword that. I'm, I'm, now I'm just kind of thinking about this where what if the, what if the breakout... What if nobody nobody realizes lungs at the fight at the end until we see him or until the characters see him? Like the audience can be in on the secret, but like the characters, what if they don't realize lung is there? They think they're going to take down Bakuda or Bakuda, yeah. and uh, and and there he is. That'd be that's interesting. Okay, we could play around with that. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Okay, but that's getting ahead of ourselves. That's yep. going to be in the future here. So let's go to the bad guy meeting. Bad guy meeting. I do love, I think visually, I mean, obviously, how can you not make the comparison to Joker's entrance in The Dark Knight, right? Like, it's, it's the same scene, essentially, uh, just uh, with a slightly uh, different, uh, 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 you know. Are you talking about uh, the gang leaders? Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. Thank you, Michael. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. The, the magic trick, make this pencil disappear, that whole thing. Mm-hmm. Right. Like they're meeting there because they're all afraid of Batman and Joker's calling them out on it. And it's kind of similar because in, in Worm, they're all meeting because of uh, uh, Bakuda. That's one of my favorite um, scenes of anything ever. Oh, it's so it's, good. It's so it's well so done. Good. So you can, we can obviously, you know, uh, Give a little, give a little love to that scene, but also trying to want to make it your own. But it's, like, it's I just love the idea. It's yeah, just, it's jam packed with style, is what I yeah. wrote down here. Style, I like There's that. So yeah. many because we have all the different crews, like doing this visually. They need to be, you know, so distinct. Mm-hmm. And each one mm-hmm. of them, you know, Wild Boat goes into you know descriptions about costumes because those are important, but also yep. like they have. They have style as well as just like mm-hmm. distinctive style. It's so good. Like Empire yeah. 88 for, you know, being the massive pieces of shit they are, are so cool when they swagger in. Oh, Holy right. Holy shit. Yeah. And then Faultline comes in with her crew. And, you yeah. know, what a fucking weird group. But like Faultline herself yeah. fucking has this tactical skirt and body mm-hmm. armor like <laughs> yeah <laughs> some oh yeah just uh, some great moments and i love because we get to this point where throughout the the you know season so far we've gotten introduced over time to bits and characters here and there we've gotten the undersiders and sort of their haphazard costumes we get glimpses of like the protectorate Right with Armsmaster, we see the wards and their costumes. We're slowly kind of building towards, and then we get uh, we get this great scene with all of these villains coming in, decked out, ready to go, just like uh, you know, very very mega mind. Right? It's yeah. like you'll never be a you'll never be a super villain. Oh yeah, what makes a super villain? Presentation. You know, <laughs> it's just it's not wrong. Exactly. Exactly. So no, I, I totally agree. I think you can have a I lot mean, of fun. This what is it? The, the skids? What do they call them? Um, I said skids because I'm thinking Letter Kenny, and the one guy's name is Skid Mark. But uh, I just put down uh, the Dgens from Upcountry. I forget what their oh, names no. are. <laughs> I but can't you know think what I'm talking either. about. Yeah, but yeah. They come in 
And while they certainly have, we'll call it a distinctive look, mm-hmm. they don't really have a thing going. Yeah. Like, they, they just look like meth heads with bandanas, at least. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of the look, that I, I, right. the vibe I got. Right. You know, yeah, so that works. A little bit different than everybody else. Well, and I like that too. I like that there's a lot of contrast there. It makes it's a lot of fun. You've, like you said, you've got sort of the more the the one percenter look that I think Empire eighty eight brings, right? Yeah. Um, like uh, that. You've got fault lines, Island of Misfit toys. You've got like just a, so, like you said, style. I mean, we're we're saying the same thing over and over again. But but you're right. I mean, there's just a lot a lot here to visually work with, which. Unfortunately, we don't really play around too much in the script itself, but certainly in terms of thinking about how the scene is structured, uh, a lot a lot to work with. A, gr- a great moment, a great way to kind of start the episode. Which leads me to ask, like, do we have Lisa sit there and exposit every person that comes in? Do mm-hmm. we leave it to... To just you, you know what you'll find out when you find out, which I'm also mm-hmm. I'm inclined to. Mm-hmm. Or do you have you know, dare I say it, Suicide Squad introductions? Hell no, nope, absolutely you know not. What? I put my gonna, foot down there. We're just gonna scratch that. I'm glad you said it. You know, it hurt okay. coming out. There's no bad ideas, right? Yeah, which There's is no, why we no don't say them bad anymore. Idea. Michael, exactly. strike that from the record. There were two ideas I had, not a third one. <laughs> Perfect. Exactly. No, I mean, it's, I, I like that you mentioned that because I think, um, God, the Suicide Squad style, it works in very specific, uh, uh, what's the word I'm thinking of? Um, tones and styles, I guess, you know, right? Like a Guardians yeah. of the Galaxy-esque type tone. Worm just doesn't have that. And if you try yeah. to do that, I think you lose a lot of the impact of the, of the brutality, of the realism, of sort of that, that darker nature. Um, yeah. which you know I'm inclined to less is more, so yeah. I'd rather not well, say a damn thing and then the I, audience yeah. be completely lost than over-explain stuff. I'm I'm certainly in that camp as well. I think if you wanted to make a couple of ex- exceptions, it would depend on how we want to fully flesh out um, Purity and Max's conversation uh, in the previous episode. Because I think it, we should establish like that they're Empire eighty eight and who what that means. Um, yeah, I mean at least for Empire eighty eight, like there's a couple people that you know that that we don't see their powers, but for the most part, like we're about to see. Kaiser in his full going off, and we're about to see Fenya and yep. Menya, and we've seen Purity, yep. like, yep. And we're gonna see Neuter, and we're gonna see Gregor, and you know, we kind of get a vibe for Faultline. Yeah, I was gonna say Faultline's clue, clue crew, Faultline's crew. There we go. I can speak. I promise. There, I think they work best or better in a bit of mystery and shadow, anyway. So less is more absolutely with them. Uh, we get introduced to the travelers, which I forgot when we were reading this that we see them so soon. But we get the travelers here uh, again. Better to be shrouded in mystery with them. Um, so really, you're talking about like Empire eighty eight, and that's it. 
which you can be pretty brief on that. So yeah, like, because again, we have even even the even the little grunt that Glory Girl and Panacea beat up was Empire eighty eight. So you can put some of the exposition there, right? Like yeah. you don't you don't have to just sit down and be like, and these guys are the white supremacists, and uh, these guys are the uh, monster people, and yeah. I don't know who they. Are. Yeah, you don't you don't have to do that. You don't. Yeah, and I mean their style kind of gives off enough, and we've talked like you said, we've talked about Fault Lines crew before. Um, yeah. Or at least fault line. We've talked about fault line. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I think yeah, I think most of them. It, like I said before, I think their style tells a lot about them. So when mm-hmm. they come in, you've got the meth heads. That, mm-hmm. You know who are they? Meth heads who got powers. It's pretty simple. Yep. <laughs> you yep. know who yep. are these guys? Well, we know they're white supremacists. So you know, no explanation yep. there. Now fault lines crew with the monsters. That's got a little bit of a mystery to it, you know? Yep. Which evolves throughout this chapter, but... Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Okay. I guess moving on, um, Trickster uh, mm. has a pretty good... He, he's a great way to shift the ex, expositive? I guess the expositive character. You know, you have the oh, rookie sure. character that you're always telling all the rules to. And in this case, right, it's right. Ben... Taylor, of course. Um, right. But Trickster is great because he's from out of town. And so mm-hmm. it's a good shift, you know, to break the monotony of constantly having to explain to Taylor and by mm-hmm. Taylor, the audience to have this mm-hmm. new vehicle, Trickster, to explain to the audience, hey, this is how things work here. Yeah. No, I agree. Yeah, he, he, he fits in there pretty well, which is great. But no, but absolutely, you can structure the dialogue of that scene around around a conversation with Trickster, and you can do any sort of little exposition you want directed towards him. Uh, exactly, and that and that's how you create you creatively fit in exposition is is you know you can throw it in a dialogue, uh, etc. So uh, we can certainly kind of structure that dialogue around a bit and uh, and make sure it flows nice and smoothly. Yeah. Another good part we're talking about this is we got to figure out because we, you know, we cut the Bakuda fight. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. important right. element from that, she has everybody's bombs hooked up to her heart. Right. So right. I think given that everybody's kind of sharing information um, and that the focus they talk about like, oh yeah, that's kind of why it's so important that the undersiders be here. I think we scrap. I think the undersiders are there because they've tangled with Lung before. They've kicked his ass, and that's mm-hmm. kind of gotten them some respect. They say, right. um, but Tattletale has information that she's dug up, uh, right? You know, and Coil also can you know spill some stuff about. Yeah, somebody says like something like, uh, "Yeah, she has her heart hooked up. So if we kill her, we can't kill her because if we do, everybody blows up." And that's a lot of people, even for villains. Like, that's a lot of people mm-hmm. for us to kill. Yep. Somebody goes, you know, well, how do you know that? And then, you know, Alec, maybe out of turn, speaks like, dude, she like broadcast it live and told everybody. <laughs> yeah. Like, she's, she's, a, she's a maniac. She told us all, try and kill me. Like, and then he like, you know, holds up his phone and it's her like, just try and kill me. You do that, and you'll be killing every one of them. They're all hooked up to my heart. <laughs> like, yeah. 
Oh man, I got yeah. I've got, I'm trying to keep my notes here. I got thoughts for for the next episode, but um, but no, yeah, I like that. The other thing, other thing I was reminded of that we want to make sure we we get in here or or move around is um is the uh, confrontation between Gru and Bitch right after this meeting, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Where he's kind of reprimanding her for the dogfighting ring. So we just need to make sure that like, because I, I really like that little moment. It's, um, it's a really good moment. Yeah. And one that I think we absolutely need to keep, but it's we got to make sure that it, it hits at the right time. Um, so might have to play around with when... Because I think are we uh, did we decide? I think we're going to put the put the Brutus interlude slash uh, dogfighting ring at the end of the last episode, or did you want to move that to this episode? I think I, the beginning of this. Beginning of this. Okay, yeah, and that works. Then actually, that would actually probably work pretty yeah, well. You could, you could hit the you know you do that that you're you're open uh, intro sequence, and then you kick this off with one week later. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that actually works. Like, I don't. I like that. I do like that. Uh, All right, well, let's keep going. Yeah. So moving past, you know, we gotta hit bitch a few times. All the way. So now we get to the mall. We get back to the civilian mm-hmm. issues. Mm-hmm. Which, man, I don't actually have a whole lot of writing notes for this because it, you know, it 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 goes just the way. I got I got nothing for this. Do you have any notes on this? <laughs> Not really notes, just so much as that um, I do I do think that there's a lot to play around with visually here because there's a lot of tension at the mall. Oh my gosh, um, yes. That I think is just going to be so great to work with if uh, you know <laughs> the lucky so director much about this. Yeah, that I think visually. You know, this is the time, culturally in America at least, mm-hmm. uh, mall shootings. Kind mm, of a thing yeah. going around. Yeah, yeah. So, like, to understand, oh yeah, there's a checkpoint at the mall with all this. It's going to be a lot of this, you know, between that, Taylor. I've said before, Taylor gives off school shooter energy, which you yep. know, wasn't something I'd gotten on previous reads. And in yep. this one, she literally says, like, hey, how about I come in here and start stabbing people, huh? Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, yeah no, no, she's a school shooter for sure. Yeah, right. Yeah, I heard it best. I was actually reading something completely unrelated to Worm, but about science fiction and fantasy. And I, I had never heard it put so simply, but it's so true. And that's that science fiction, but you can rope kind of fantasy in here as well, uh, is... Not a, uh, it's it's not like a, uh, a a prophecy of what's to come, right? Like dystopian futures and all of that kind of stuff. Mm. It is a criticism of what is, and I love that so much because we can do exactly what you're just saying. Like everybody understands the, like the fear and the, uh, and sort of that that unsettling tension in the air whenever there's like a shooting at a big public place. Fortunately, I have never been around one uh, in close proximity, but I've had friends that were pretty close and it's not a fun feeling. And so like there's, 
there's ways that you can really sort of, I'm thinking of like music and just background conversations. I mean, when Taylor hits Emma, like there's people freak out because there's like this fear that something's about to start. Like it's, 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 it's such a great scene. And I, I know we're, we're going to probably get into this uh, spoilers. We're, we're recording this before the book club portion. So maybe we might be uh, doubling up on some conversations here, but um, uh, you know, just the whole, the, with how quickly the, the wards step in uh, everything that follows, like this is such a great, scene for a television uh, series mm-hmm. um again yeah don't really have any notes here i don't think there's really anything we change um the dialogue flows everything flows there uh everything sort of works but it's 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 such an important scene and yeah. uh i think we keep it in pretty much as intact as we can yeah same for uh i think same for the 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 whole confrontation at the school yeah, like it's actually so, yeah. it's so tense. Yeah, so tense. Yeah, and I just it's you know it's perfect. I got no notes other than like maybe some very quick editing back and forth, you know, in this room between people. But oh yeah, I mean you're doing this whole scene is like the the climax of good, bad, and the ugly, right? All the darting back and forth, looking here, who's there, Mexican standoff the entire yeah. time. Yeah, very much so. There's a lot of and, that. And, you know, he he hits it. I've got the perfect spot for the ep- you know, end of the end of the episode. Taylor gets out of that intense scene. Her dad's like trying to, hey, you know, okay. She's like, I'm fine. She calls up Lisa. Like, we're getting a band back together. She goes, I want to hit someone. And I'm like, let's fucking go. Yeah, yes. that, that's it. I want to hit you, you in. You know, like yeah. I want to hit someone. I get. I'll take that as a yes. <laughs> yep. Yep. Ooh. Oh man. And you know, if we if we do the the bitch interlude, if we put in the um, Bakuda breaking lung out here. I think, yeah, I think that happens. I want to hit someone. Credits roll. Bakudo breaks long out. Yeah. I think that, I mean, that really stretches the episode. You can... Because he he ends, you know, we talked about how we imagine that, you know, mm-hmm. and that being, he gets out and she's like, you know, hey, and he's like, I've got a bone to pick with one person in particular. Yeah. Yeah. Which is perfect because he... both of them are ready to rear in for a fight and we're about to get it. Yep. <laughs> uh, I was I was watching talking about end credits and things. Um, I really love the way. Have you ever seen? Have you ever watched Veep, the show Veep on HBO? Well, you know I have. Okay, I figured, but you know I had to ask. The way they do their credits, of course, it's a comedy. It's it's a very different style. Yes, yes. But I love I love the way they do it because it's not the the episode is ended. Right, we've gotten everything we needed to get done but there's still jokes left to play and they play those jokes. They give us the punchlines while the credits are rolling and it just sort of, it, it just, it, it caps off the episode so beautifully and I love how they do that. And I was thinking, I mean, you could easily do the same thing here um, and just start of have those credits going, right? Have Bakuda and Oni Lee and some other goons riding in the cars or however you want to stage the scene, right? And then just cut right at the end to the breakout as the final credits roll 
and you you're just left with that tension. Plus, I mean, I'm I'm a credits purist. I think everyone should get their moment to, for their name to be seen if they worked on a project. And I am all in favor of doing whatever you can to get as many names in people's faces at the end there. Yeah. So if you got to get yeah. creative with it, I love that. I think it it uh, sort of bolsters the credits because nobody stays for the credits anymore. Everybody skips over that. Yeah. It's kind of unfortunate. I think, I think this is one of those things that having an end credit scene and getting people to at least, at the very least, stick around and talk during that. Yeah. While yeah. they wait for the end credit scene, you know, to see that. I think another fun thing to do during the end credit sequence is to have not just a blank, uh, a blank slate there, but maybe the top third of the screen be the city line of, uh, of Brockton Ooh. Bay. Okay. And, and change it, you know, it wouldn't have to be a whole lot of changes, you know, cause you're just doing mm-hmm. the city line. Change it according to whatever's happening in the world at the time. Bombs are going off. The city line at night, fires are raging. Credits are rolling in front Ooh. of that into the black, you know, the blacker area so that they can be more seen. But you've got like kind of a an ambiance of like what's still going on in the world while you know, the world is still active, even as credits roll and while you're waiting, you know, week to week or whatever. Right. You know, that world right. still exists. And Brockton Bay is is a character. Um, mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Very much so. And that's just like a small thing, you know, to add to that. Yeah. No, I do like that. And I like, I like your Brockton Bay as a character very much so. And I think uh, anything we can do to sort of uh, enhance that, right. Give yeah. the, give the city, give the city some character. I think that's always going to be a good idea. Well, do we have any other notes for this? First uh, half of the arc. You know, like always, I'm sure we'll come back and sort of uh, adjust some things, move some things around. Uh, I know uh, we haven't talked formally about this, but I I think it'd be really fun to do sort of once we kind of hit where we think season one ends to sort of have an episode where we come back and just sort of clean up and polish and review season one, right? so I think uh, I think we'll probably touch on this again, but I think for the for now, I've I've said everything I want to say. All right. Well, thanks for listening. Uh, we are going to be picking up with the second half of Arc Five in the next episode. Uh, kind of splitting it up just for time purposes. Hopefully, help help keep everything a bit organized. Ourselves organized primarily is what we're talking about here. Um, so we hope you enjoyed listening, and we'll catch you in the next episode. Thank you so much for listening. Read along with us at parahumans.wordpress.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts. What did you love? What did you hate? Anything you think we missed, etc. as long as it's kind. If you'd like to get in touch, you can find us on Twitter, threads, Instagram, TikTok, and Reddit at Brockton Bay BC or click the link in the description.